In today's cyber threat landscape, global information sharing among banking institutions, government, and law enforcement has become increasingly critical. But are we doing enough? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm here today with Sean Henry, a retired executive assistant director at the FBI, where he oversaw international computer crime investigations involving DDoS attacks, bank and corporate breaches, and state-sponsored intrusions. Now the president of security firm CrowdStrike, Henry shares perspective about where strides have been made in cybersecurity and discusses where more needs to be done. Sean, before we get started, could you just give us some background about the work that you did with the FBI and the types of cases with which you were involved? Sure. So I worked uh, with the FBI for 24 years, um, had a number of different positions. Um, in my last position, I was responsible for all cyber investigations worldwide, as well as criminal investigations and, and critical incident response. Um, on the cyber side, I focused primarily on breaches into networks by uh, criminal groups, organized crime groups, terrorist organizations, and foreign intelligence services. That included uh, exfiltration of data where the adversary was reaching into a network to pull out data that they see of value, whether it be intellectual property, research and development, corporate strategies, financial data, etc., uh, as well as denial of service attacks against networks and other types of breaches where an adversary is looking to wreak some havoc on, uh, on an organization or on the victim network. So you were with the FBI for 24 years. When did you join CrowdStrike? I left the FBI in March of 2012 and joined CrowdStrike the following week. So uh, April 2012, I've been there about 13 months now. And based on what you've seen during your time with CrowdStrike, as well as the 24 years that you spent with the FBI, how would you say the cybersecurity landscape has evolved or changed in the last 12 months? Well, that's an interesting question. I don't think the landscape has actually changed much. I think the exact same threats that uh, were here when I left the Bureau are still here. I think what has changed is the awareness of the private sector. I think there's a lot more that's occurred here in the media that has gone out publicly. I think that people have become aware of the threats. I think that organizations have uh, begun to recognize uh, the impact that they face and the um, the real damage that can be inflicted. And that's not uh, been out publicly for many years in my service in the government. So I, I think that that really is the uh, most significant change is the awareness. But the activities have not significantly changed. And what would you say, Sean, are the top three threats that banking institutions face today? The financial services sector is probably, in my opinion, among the best protective sectors uh, regarding networks. What we see primarily facing the financial services sector is uh, the theft of PII, personally identifiable information, primarily organized crime groups who are targeting networks, trying to steal data, which they can very quickly monetize. So they do that regularly. They target not only the corporate networks, the, uh, the financial networks, but individuals as well trying to capture credentials, usernames, and passwords so that they can access accounts. We've also seen some uh, denial of service attacks against networks where there might be groups or individuals that are looking to make some type of a social or political statement. They recognize, I think, that Western society and the United States as a whole relies substantially on the financial services sector. So it really is seen as a target of the West, as a symbol of the West and the prosperous uh, United States of America. So it uh, is oftentimes a target of those types of groups. 
And then what about other sectors, including government? Are the threats that they face the same? They're similar. They're not the same as what the uh, financial services sector faces. I think that as it relates to government and, and other sectors, there's oftentimes foreign intelligence services that are looking to pilfer data, which they can then share with their industry in, in their countries so that they have some type of a competitive advantage. Certainly, the financial services sector is not immune to that. Uh, they do get breached by foreign intelligence services who are looking for financial strategies. They're interested in mergers and acquisitions. They're interested in partnership deals that financial services sector might be facilitating or, or enabling. But it's uh, they're not the primary threat. I think it's those organized crime groups. The foreign intelligence services are hitting every sector in the country, government, military, clear defense contractors, manufacturing, energy, communications, et cetera. It really cuts across all uh, all sectors. And then the, the other group that is a significant threat are terrorist organizations that seek to uh, potentially disrupt critical infrastructure and, and to cause harm to the United States. You make some good points here, Sean, because I think that a lot of what we're facing does, of course, relate to the actors that are involved. How have the actors that are waging some of these attacks changed in recent years? I don't know that they've changed drastically. I think the same types of groups that I've put in, into three different buckets, right, organized crime, foreign intelligence services, and terrorists, I think that those buckets have remained primarily the same. We've seen these hacktivist groups, uh, which I would really kind of put in the terrorist bucket, but the groups themselves haven't changed. Their capabilities have changed. They've become more capable. They've become more sophisticated. They've They've had to become flexible and, and they've had to adapt their capabilities as defenses have gotten better and as organizations have become more aware and more resilient in their defense. Uh, but the reality of it is the offense outpaces the defense, so uh, they, they've been able to uh, adapt and to overcome even what we would consider to be some of the most resilient defenses. Would it be fair to say that attacks backed by nation states are posing greater worries today than attacks that are waged by some of these criminal groups? Again, I think it really depends. It depends who you are. If you're a clear defense contractor that's developing uh, certain military capabilities for the next generation warfighter, nation states are a, a significant worry to you. If you're a financial organization, you're probably more concerned about the organized crime group because that's the thing that might impact your bottom line. So there's a $10 million loss. It's going to be on the balance sheet. People are going to see it. It may be in the media going to pose a risk to the organization's reputation. Uh, it's going to pose a risk to their operations, of course, and uh, customer confidence sometimes. So it really depends who you are, what the greatest worry should be to you. Some have said that nation states, because they're so closely tied to the U.S. economy, that they would not necessarily uh, take destructive actions, where a crime ring uh, might attack a company and pose some type of a threat to data to destroying data in exchange for some type of a monetary reward. So we've actually seen extortions where companies have had their networks breached and they've then contacted the company and said, hey, we'll be happy to turn your data over for $150,000 consulting fee. And if you don't, uh, then we're going to destroy your data. So uh, it really depends on, on who the organization is, what their greatest threat uh, to them is. And would you say that the lines that divide these groups are actually blurring? 
I think we have seen some overlap. It's not always clear. It used to be clearer in the past. But I think that the capabilities of some of these organized crime groups are such uh, that they actually approach the maturation level of foreign intelligence services. They're very, very capable. They're not just uh, kids clunking around on the network. These are organized, methodical, and well-crafted. So I do think that there is a bit of a blur. It's also not always clear that the groups, that some of the individuals in the groups are crossing lines, perhaps, and working for the government on one hand, and then perhaps uh, on the weekends moonlighting and doing some work for themselves. Sean, what about international investigations? Do you see those improving, and has heightened information sharing helped to fuel some of this improvement? Every cyber investigation, uh, for the most part, has some international nexus. There's something that either originates or ends internationally or transits uh, an international point. From a information sharing perspective, it requires good coordination, good uh, lines of communication, both in the private sector and in the government sector. So in terms of identifying who the adversaries are, there needs to be good, what I call, actionable intelligence sharing, where, where government to government, they've got to share indicators that will help to identify who the adversary is so that they can arrest them or take some type of action to to thwart the attack. From the private sector perspective, there's going to be, there needs to be sharing, uh, even within the same companies that have international capabilities across many, many countries, they need to share information, actionable intelligence, so that they can better defend themselves and, and provide a, a, a better defense. I do think it's improving. Again, the awareness piece is, is really important. The fact that more organizations have uh, visibility into these types of attacks and they have a, a sense of understanding about what the impact is, uh, I think that that encourages better sharing of, of actionable intelligence. And then what about some of the challenges that you see facing information sharing? What seems to pose the greatest challenge to information sharing both domestically as well as internationally? There are a couple things. One, I, I think the sharing between the government and the private sector is still not as robust as it needs to be. There are a lot of reasons for that. One is, is the lines are not clearly drawn of uh, exactly what, what companies need and exactly what governments need. Uh, there's a national security perspective sometimes, so it's difficult to share classified information, so that's that's a bit of a challenge. Uh, companies still have some concerns that by sharing information, they'll be revealing uh, unnecessarily to the public that there's a problem on their network, again, causing some type of a loss of confidence. Uh, potentially with their client base. So all in all, I think it's getting better. There's still a long way to go, but it's certainly one of the, the bigger challenges. And the, the last piece I'll add is, is the concern people have about privacy. What are we sharing? Uh, I would argue that there's no, no need to share content. You don't need to share Word files. You don't need to share contents of emails. You don't need to share spreadsheet information. What you need to share are a lot of the technical data, the what we call indicators uh, that there's been a compromise, the signatures of malware, and the, the types of information that would help to identify how attack occurred and who might have launched an attack that does not compromise the actual content of data. So, um, but that privacy piece is um, rightfully so a concern by many people, both public and private. And uh, it does cause some consternation when you talk about information sharing because it, people just need to be educated about what that information really is. Sean, before we close, I wanted to touch on these distributed denial of service attacks that we've seen waged against leading U.S. banks. I recently contacted you about some of this and, and wanted to see if you could perhaps shed any light on what the FBI might be looking into where these attacks are concerned. As an outsider now, what can you tell us about what's likely going on behind the scenes? 
So let me first say that I, I do not have any inside information about what's occurring. So any of my comments uh, relate specifically to my observations kind of from the outside looking in. But I, I think that there's certainly a cause for concern. Uh, anytime there's some disruption in service or uh, you know people have difficulty accessing their networks, there's a cause for concern. I would think that the FBI uh, would be looking quite closely to trying to uh, determine where the attacks are coming from. I think that they would likely be working with international partners, uh, both in the intelligence community as well as in the law enforcement community, to try and, and identify what the source of those attacks are. Um, once you can determine where those attacks are coming from, uh, you can either take law enforcement action to disrupt the networks that are launching those attacks and to actually disrupt the people that are causing those attacks. So through the execution of search warrants or arrest warrants and the like, that's going to be an action that, that's going to help to, to mitigate the threat by actually taking the bad actors uh, off of the playing field. Sean, I'd like to thank you again for your time this afternoon. Thanks, Tracy. appreciate the opportunity to be here. Again, we've just heard from Sean Henry of CrowdStrike. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.